Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Let's give a hand to the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, our super producer, Mr. Max Williams. What? what? Woo. <laughs> they, they called me Ben. My, my, my heart's not in it today. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, hey, hey, you, you've made it to the woo, you know. Uh, okay. <laughs> so this is funny because I have no idea what this is going to sound like after after Max gives it his magic touch. Uh, but I trust you. And uh, we, as we said earlier, this is the second part of a two-part series on a mystery in the world of fast food. What happened to Ronald McDonald. Uh, as we said earlier, uh, my dear friend, Mr. Noel Brown, is out at the moment, but will be returning soon. In the meantime, we were lucky enough to get one of the busiest men in the history of podcasting to come on and class up our show. Fellow Ridiculous Historians, join me in welcoming back Jonathan Strickland. This little man called Jonathan is certainly pushed around And how he trembles at the sound of Jonathan must be found Make a speech, Jonathan, make a speech, Jonathan And the little lips of Jonathan would make a speech as fast as they can It's the road, Jonathan, it's the road and the little legs of Jonathan would hit the road. Thank you, Ben. Technically, on some days, I'm two of the busiest men. 
That's got to be weird over there. Gained a lot of weight in the pandemic, Ben. Okay. So like a, okay. I thought you were going for like a multiplicity thing, you know, in multiplicity. I mean, I, I could be a man of two minds because I am someone who likes to eat healthy. And yet I am sitting here with a lot of McDonald's food in front of me just for a joke that was only for you because no one who's listening <laughs> can actually see it. We described it, though. I thought it was well done. Max, I thought that was a good bit. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, we also got to go on about how we all have misophonias and no one eat around us, which is amazing. I mean, the more we just state that out loud, I think the better it is for the world. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, maybe there's an episode in the future for that. Uh, we'll have to have you back on, Jonathan, for the history of noises people hate, which is hopefully not our voices. Yeah, yeah. Didn't want to turn this into a mukbang podcast, so. Oh, Yeah. Wow, how is that? It's such a fascinating genre. Anyway, look it up. If you if you want to know what we're talking about, we will leave that discovery to you because we have another mystery. We have another discovery on our hands. Knowing everything that we know now after part one of what happened to Ronald McDonald, we have to ask ourselves, where is he now? How did a world-famous figure as, you know, well-known, uh, some would say is Jesus Christ or Santa Claus, suddenly go the way of the dodo. I think, and you put this in our notes earlier, Jonathan, I think it's a really good point. Seriously, Ronald McDonald, probably not as recognizable as Mickey Mouse, right? That's what I think. Uh, like the the reference you, you are citing is from uh, a book, right? So mm-hmm. there was a, a, a book by Eric Schlosser, uh, which was called Fast Food Nation. And in that, Schlosser makes the assertion that uh, Ronald McDonald was the second most famous fictional character behind Santa Claus. I submit that Mickey Mouse is definitely in contention. I would be shocked if Mickey Mouse was lower, especially, well, now, obviously, it would be clear that Mickey Mouse would win out because Ronald, as we are going to talk about, the star has been on the decline for quite some time. And and honestly, part of the reason we're having this episode, and, you know, the reason why we built it up so much in the first episode is you had a character who was synonymous with the franchise across the world, not just the United States. You know, we started off in the U S but by this point, it's a global phenomenon. Someone that, you know, their branding was incredibly recognizable and yet seemingly in very short order was largely erased. And you think, how do you get to that point where you've, you've poured this capital, this amount of resources and assets as a corporation into your marketing And then you say, you know what? We're going to switch gears. We're going to throw this away. So why would that happen? Was, did something happen to the resource itself? Ronald McDonald that poisoned the well and perhaps necessitated a move away. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very, just so that's a very good way to put it because we're not blowing smoke here. Ronald McDonald began to become uh, a symbol for capitalism overall in in other parts of the world. He started to represent some idea of the United States. Protesters began dressing as the clown, capital C, uh, when they were, you know, doing uh, different demonstrations. And a troubling discourse began. If this was a murder, then there were likely multiple conspirators or 
to be more realistic, there were multiple factors. Uh, there is a fantastic Vice article written by a journalist named Amelia Tate. This is an interesting thing about this article. She is, this journalist is looking into the story and trying to figure out what happened to uh, the most famous clown in the world of fast food. And oddly enough, she gets kind of stonewalled in, in a really strange way. First, she goes to the official McDonald's website and they say, they're a little ahead of the curve in the United Kingdom. They say, we're afraid that Ronald McDonald's no longer appears in McDonald's UK advertising, yet he still travels up and down the country to visit restaurants and make sure everyone is enjoying their meals. Um, <laughs> I, I was a little bit arch on that creepy. one. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, that was creepy. <laughs> but but she... Don't, we're talking clowns. We don't have to make it creepier. Right. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, so... She uh, is able to speak with uh, the press office for McDonald's UK, and they said they refused to elaborate or to really explain in depth what happened to Ronald, but they say they do confirm he hasn't appeared in any UK advertising since 2014, including appearances in restaurants. She asked for more information, and the press officer says, I'm afraid we don't have anything further to add. And that's where uh, she starts, you know, has the starts doing some forensics, some detective work, and comes up with one of my favorite phrases. Uh, she says, "It seems that sometime in 2014, something made Ronald Amelia's words here persona non hamburger." Brilliant. I mean, it's clear we have a real plastic knives out situation here. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Uh, she did, though. She did find herself stonewalled. She asked a uh, veteran of the advertising game for a scoop. This person used to work for McDonald's UK for some time. And this person only replied, I don't fancy being sued by a clown, which I didn't know was right, an ongoing right. concern. I mean, it happens all the time here in the United States. But the the thing I was going to mention is that in our first episode, we kind of alluded to the fact that there was an extremely strict series of rules that were uh, laid down for, for actors who were playing the part of Ronald McDonald. We only touched on some of those. There were actually quite a few more, including the part where there's only one Ronald McDonald. It doesn't matter how many actors are playing Ronald McDonald throughout the various territories. There's only one Ronald McDonald, right? So you start hearing this and you're thinking, all right, this is an extension of that same kind of veil of secrecy that the company took extremely serious when Ronald McDonald was like front and foremost in, in the, uh, the restaurant business. And now we're seeing that same level of, of attention and uh, careful approach now that Ronald has mysteriously vanished. And obviously there are a lot of hypotheses you could come up with. And in fact, chances are the reason for Ronald's disappearance is due to a combination of factors that we're going to talk about. But, you know, it, it's frustrating when you can't get a solid answer, not even from people who have left the company for fear that the documents they had to sign, those NDAs, will still hold a legal threat over them. Yeah. Yeah. And this, I mean, this is a serious concern. Uh, Tate runs into multiple instances of this. She speaks with a guy named AJ, 
who was a former Ronald and actually had a big hand in writing that official rule book we mentioned in part one. And Jay says that uh, they're not allowed to talk about this. Uh, the author of an earlier version of the rule book, the one that said, if you're a Ronald, you can't tell children where hamburgers come from. They also uh, declined <laughs> to speak. Uh, and then uh, she goes to the people who make those Ronald McDonald statues. And I think a lot of us in the crowd today remember those. It's it's Ronald frozen in tableau on a bench, usually with like an arm out so that you can sit next to the statue. And it looks like he has his arm around you and you're just, you know, hanging on a public bench with a clown. Before Before we move on, though, I am not going to let this accidental pun go without being pointed out. You said AJ had a big hand in writing the rule book. What? Uh, <laughs> I don't think I get my own pun there. Oh, you got a big hand like Ronald McDonald. Uh, big hands. Oh God! Did he have? I thought he was more of a, like big foot guy. Am I misremembering this? I swear he had big hands. He, All he right, had, no, he had a lot of everything. big foot. We got to figure this out. Hey, it's Future Max here to correct something that past Max said. Ronald McDonald, hand size, very normal, completely normal. There is nothing large about his hands. I mean, they're bright and yellow and weird, but so that's Ronald McDonald. He's bright and yellow and red and weird. So, yeah, I don't know what past Max was thinking, but yeah. Back to the story, Ben. There is uh, good news, kind of. Tate does find an answer when she talks to a guy named, well, Guy Moore, which makes me think of uh, nominative determinism. Uh, guy Moore, <laughs> yeah, is the uh, he's he's the co-founder of something called Creative Coalition. He's an ad man. Between 2004 and 2014, he worked for that uh, advertising agency, Leo Burnett. The uh, I'm loving it, folks, and he also won several prizes for a McDonald's ad he did called Just Passing By. And it's frankly poetic. I think maybe we can play just a little clip here. Now the laborers and cablers and council motion tablers were just passing by. And the gothy types and scoffy types and like their coffee frothy types were just passing by. Those on their own whilst on the phone, dunking McNuggets and having a moan were just passing by. The driving through with hungry crew who just pulled off the A32 were just passing by. Okay, so what we're what we're seeing here and what we're hearing here is a uh, is this almost like spoken word monologue about all the different people who eat at McDonald's. A quick glimpse into their lives. Gone is the clown. And as Guy points out, when he started working with McDonald's, it wasn't maybe the best year because 2004 was also the year a certain documentary came out. I think, um, I, I think you, you probably remember this one too, Jonathan Morgan Spurlock. <laughs> I, I have, uh, I have distinct memories of this, this era. Uh, most of them don't involve McDonald's because by then I had moved on to other, I'd put away childish things and I moved, <laughs> moved on to, to uh, local regional chains. But no, I mean, I remember very much the Super Size Me documentary and the 
a documentary is an interesting way of putting it. I remember the Super Size Me film, and I remember that that <laughs> did kind of it generated a wave of concern about the nature of the obesity issue in the United States and the connection to things like fast food restaurants. I would say that was the starting point for that conversation. I would not take supersize me as like the thesis statement that you should follow. There is some, some uh, showmanship in supersize me, mm-hmm. but it definitely, it definitely got the conversation moving more toward we need to do better for ourselves and for our children. We need to make certain that we are providing healthier options for meals because as it's going, uh, things are taking a very unhealthy turn. And the, the real concern was that in the long run, we might see things like life expectancy start to go down for people in the United States because of the various health issues you can uh, get through, uh, through morbid obesity. And so that was kind of where that conversation got going. And obviously that's a very complicated conversation. Mm-hmm. It's one that it goes well beyond just fast food or exercise. It goes into all sorts of different things. You cannot simplify this down to like a bite size uh, uh, bullet point, but it is the sort of thing that got a lot more attention and scrutiny directed toward the fast food industry in general and McDonald's in particular. Yeah. Yeah, the the big revelation of Supersize Me, which does have showmanship in it, I agree with that, is surprise, surprise, eating fast food all the all day, all the time, isn't super great for you. Not the same as uh, you know, a a more varied diet. Guy Moore is working during this time when the when the pushback and concern about McDonald's really really kicks into high gear and gets into the public. Uh He says that internally, McDonald's had a serious issue with childhood obesity and lots of rumors about what goes into the burger. This is also the time where we see the rise of speculation about like what's in McNuggets, right? What is the what are the true ingredients of a hamburger or a Big Mac? This leads McDonald's and their roster of ad agency boffins to say, look, when people have these real concerns, regardless of how how much weight they put in something like supersize me, we need to realize it may not be the best look to have uh, what Moore describes as a joker at the table. So McDonald's begins to pivot and their ad campaigns are increasingly targeting adults more so than children. This is a big change for this company. About 2010, 2011, there's another backlash that occurs. A nonprofit out of Boston starts calling for Ronald McDonald's retirement. They say he exploits children. He promotes obesity. Critics are saying that he's undermining the authority of parents, right, by saying, hey, kids, make your parents go do this, which is how a lot of advertising for children works, to your excellent point earlier, Max. And he says this guy's really, he's kind of a Pied Piper figure, You know, he's enticing kids with sugar and cool toys into bad decisions that may potentially have life impacting consequences. So that's how in just a few years, the world's most famous clown, this kind of secular Santa Claus of America, is being compared directly to cigarette mascots like Joe Camel. 
Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I will say that being enticed by sugar and super cool toys could be my autobiography title. Also, <laughs> I think a good strong contender for my autobiography title is a phrase you uttered earlier, Mr. Bolin, gone is the clown. Both <laughs> of those would work really well. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. So here, here's here's another take that I have. It's mm. it's interesting because it's not something that we really address in the notes. And part of it is that McDonald's had not only was it starting to look at Ronald McDonald as a potential liability for the company, right? Like it's it's a bad look, as the kids say, or they used to. I don't know what kids say anymore. I don't understand them. So the the other thing though is that the generation that grew up with Ronald McDonald as the this icon that enticed them into McDonald's, they are grown now. They're adults. They have kids of their own. They have already established a habit of going to McDonald's. You don't have to go after the kids to get the people into the restaurants now. The kids have grown up to be the adults and they're going into the restaurants already. So it's almost like you're like, hey, we got them. We hooked them. Now we just have to perpetuate the cycle and watch the money roll in. So that's another kind of cynical way of looking at this, that, that one, 
Ronald McDonald was representing a potential risk, that it was uh, a standing in as a symbol for some negative things, and that's never what you want for your marketing campaign. And two, really, it had done its job already. Yeah, that's a very good point. And that's one I hadn't considered, you know, because um, Max is our, our marketing expert here. So I would I would defer to I would defer to your expertise here. But Max, that I, I would say that doesn't even sound cynical. That sounds very on the money. Oh yeah, that that's like marketing one on one right there. That's that's perfect. I mean, it's like you know, marketing's all measured in impressions. You've already made the impressions with, to Jonathan's point, with the adults, with the people who are your audience you want, who have disposable income, who are going to spur on the next generation. So instead of just, con- and let's be honest, I mean, like, I'm a child of the 90s. I, I Clowns by the time I came around were really kind of an out dated image i I mean i I don't even think it was like even like the like creepiness had fully set in yet of clowns but it was also just like not it just wasn't something that was pertinent in my like thinking or if i want to complicate my zeitgeist it was like and so it's just like you know moving moving on from this thing as jonathan said who's just like it's not making you any money and soon it's going to start costing you money so uh so it just makes a lot of sense, you know, for them to, you know, just think instead of like trying to get impressions with this thing, that's clearly not going to make as much money. Let's, you know, instead be like, this is the McDonald's that you got your happy meal at when you were a kid. Now you can get your whatever they advertise to adults. I don't know mm. why your kid gets your happy, happy meal. <laughs> Nick you can Flurry. spin it that way. Nick Flurry, yeah, you can spin the nost- nostalgia Nick for you. Maybe not nostalgia, but like, you know, like remembrance and enjoyment for you and then building that memory of like of like like going McDonald's as a kid with your kids and stuff. There we go. Intergenerational. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I I think you guys nailed it. Um, Ronald was not ready to give up the ghost just yet. He wasn't after that big, big Mac in the sky. Uh, in 2014, he had one last hurrah, you know, rage, rage against the dying of the fries, etc. So he ditches the jumpsuit and he cleans up a little. He's got a blazer now, a red blazer. He's got a sharp bow tie. And he uh, begins tweeting directly from McDonald's official Twitter account, as uh, for people who are very experienced with Twitter, uh, like like you, Jonathan, uh, you've we've seen this happen before with mixed results, where an official Twitter account goes into a little bit of internet trolling, or they try a campaign. Sometimes they work really well, like the Wendy's mixtape. Sometimes they fall flat. Unfortunately, the latter is what happened with our poor boy Ronnie. People were literally hashtag not loving it. And we're not kidding. That was a trending hashtag. Yeah. uh, To all the brands out there, before you decide to have a snarky, fun Twitter marketing push, really think it over. Because one, if it's not really kind of zany and fun, the audience picks up on it immediately. If it's not sincere, then they know. And you might get a lot of traction, but it's not going to be positive. Uh, and to just like think over that snarky joke a lot, EA recently got into trouble because they posted a tweet that read, she's a 10, except you find out she only plays single player games. 
that did not go over well. So yeah, this, the, the Ronald McDonald experience is, is a, is an example of this kind of trend of brands trying to embrace new communication. Twitter's not new, but newish communication uh, channels and finding that their approach to messaging is just a complete misfire for that particular audience. Right. So at this moment, if we could wax poetic, uh, kind of in the spirit of Guy Moore and his Just Passing By uh, ad and performance, uh, we can picture Ronald McDonald like this scene in um, partway through so many rom-coms. He's standing in the rain outside of America's dining room window, and he's humming to himself the song he's humming, the oldie hit, Everyone Loves a Clown. Everybody loves a clown, so why don't you? Well, Does he have cue cards? Yeah, he's got cue cards. <laughs> you know, maybe he's got a boom box, uh, but the makeover doesn't work out. Spoiler. So for now, he has he has Grim is holding a boom box. He has oh, okay. Grim is holding the boom box. Okay, yeah. I'm having too many maybe- you're, you're mixing too many movie metaphors. Just <laughs> just say anything, guys. Just say anything. <laughs> well done. Points. Also, we're just going to keep piling on. Uh, Hamburglar is like a Cyrano <laughs> character, and he's in the bushes. He's going to keep adding the beef to this. Yes, yes, beef it. And so he's he's like he's trying to uh, he's trying to tell Ronald McDonald what to say, but because he's the Hamburglar, he's speaking in gibberish. So he's just like rubble, 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 <laughs> and scene, and scene. Uh, so and then sun, then Sunday's there, and Sunday just looks at the camera, and goes, "Are you happy, Jonathan?" Uh, I have, I have to say, I have to say that this is making me feel like we are all in improv level three class. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, be specific. What kind of bush (laughs) is the Hamburglar hiding behind? Uh, So, uh, and we're going through so much cool, weird stuff in this series today, folks. Uh, You may be hearing some thunder in the background, and I think it's uh, appropriate to the way our story has turned in part two. So we're going to keep it in. Uh, There's something else. McDonald's tries another mascot. It is an anthropomorphic Happy Meal named, in a burst of creativity, Happy. Happy uh, is not successful. Uh, I hesitate to put a picture in the chat, uh, but you can you can find it and you'll kind of see why. Uh, but that was not the final, uh, that was not the final fry in the coffin because something else happened in 2016. Yeah, this was completely out of McDonald's control. This was one of those cultural moments where a trend starts and begins to build and has rippling repercussions for unrelated uh, entities. So McDonald's in a way is a victim as were we all. So what Mr. Bolin is referring to is that very special time in 2016 where for reasons that never really became apparent, people were dressing up as scary clowns and scaring people in a scary way. Right. And that's true. It's a look collectively, everybody listening to this show now, we've all been through a lot in the past few years. 2016 seems a shockingly long time ago. But it is true for unspecified reasons. Um, 
people across the United States, in the Midwest, the South, all along the East Coast, began seeing, you know, clowns just out in the wild, sometimes standing creepily like the old school Ronald McDonald when he thought the camera was done rolling, uh, sometimes trying to engage with people. People thought it might be a weird guerrilla marketing campaign for a movie, you know, Blair Witch style or something. But there was no way of knowing who would be motivated to dress as a clown. There was no way of knowing whether there was a concerted effort or whether it was just organically a trend that other people were independently picking up on. And there's not a way to address the issue. In this country, you can't really make the act of buying a costume illegal. And things start to escalate across that summer. It's August, I think, when law enforcement in South Carolina gets reports that suspicious individuals dressed like clowns are literally trying to lure children into the woods. And then there are more stories about this. It, it, it continues. We even did a Stuff They Don't Want You Know episode on it. Eventually, McDonald's, who, who I agree with you, Jonathan, they are a victim here. This is beyond their control. Eventually, they have to make a statement, which is something, you know... <laughs> You probably never think about when you join a PR for firm or you work for McDonald's. <laughs> you never think one day I'm going to have to talk on record about all these clowns and make sure that our clown is separated from that conversation. <laughs> but yeah, it but rarely they, comes up in the it rarely comes up in the interview process. Right, right. Welcome to Improv Level Three or McDonald's Corporate. Here's the question. So, yeah, I don't think people <laughs> plan that way, but the company did come out with a statement. I think it was the right thing to do. They said they're being thoughtful in respect to Ronald McDonald's participation in community events as a result of the, quote, current climate around clown sightings in communities, meaning, in plain English, the sun was setting on McDonald land. And then, like you um Brilliantly foreshadowed in part one of this episode, a year later, 2017, Stephen King's newest adap adaptation of It hits the big screen. The main villain of It is, uh, and this is not spoiling it, is an evil clown named Pennywise, uh, originally played in a made-for-TV adaptation by Tim Curry, and then in this big-screen adaptation, also two parts, uh, is played by one of the Skarsgård kids, right? Yes, one of them. <laughs> what, it's one of them. Yeah. It's the same one from Hemlock Grove, yeah. Yes, yes. He, and we, we talked about this. We're not going to get into like favorites or anything because everyone has their own favorite. Sure. But I will say I have a soft spot in my heart for Tim Curry, largely because I was a kid when that yeah, teenager, when that miniseries came out and I had already read the book by the time the miniseries had come out. And so I feel like while there's a lot of stuff that's in that book that I don't think is appropriate for children, uh, right. a lot of the because it follows kids, it speaks to a kid's sense of adventure. Like it's a horror novel, but it is also an adventure book. Um, and so like I have a soft spot for the Tim Curry version. That being said, I definitely would not want my corporate mascot to be associated or compared in any way to this monstrous clown that gets even more monstrous in the more recent adaptations. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's like, think about, um, think about like the Aflac duck 
or what the Geico, uh, the get it's a gecko, right? Um, uh, well, if you're going with Geico, you've got about eight different mascot choices you could go with. There could be cavemen. It could be a pile of cash. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but in any one of those cases, you could be caught flat out if the wrong thing happens in the real world. So it looks like because they made the decision to pull Ronald back even further due to literally sightings of crazed clowns, it looks like they dodged a bullet because they got out just a year before it once again ruined clowns for a generation. So wither our hapless Ronald. What's up with old Ronnie these days? Uh, He's not tweeting anymore. Checked, just to confirm. You're not going to see him in a commercial anytime soon. Uh, McDonald land has probably been paved over. We're going to skip that terrible joke I made. Look, let's be honest. A lot of people in the United States have some degree of what's called chlorophobia, fear of clowns. And I, I would argue, um, for many of us listening today, it's because we grew up in a post-John Wayne Gacy America, right? Sure. Uh, and there's a clear, yeah, I, I, am I over, am I like ass- assigning too much power to that? I don't think so. I think that that was, you know, this this real world monster who took an image that previously had been associated with childhood fun and innocence and then used it to such a horrific extent. It ended up fueling tons of horror fiction for the following decades, right? They become tropes that were based off this real world incident that to this day, like the evil clown is something that just is like a, a standard stock monster. And I would argue that that Gacy was kind of the launching point for that to really become a thing. To some extent, we've seen that sort of association with childish things in the past, whether it's like a ventriloquist dummy or a doll or something like that. There always is something slightly creepy with any element where a child's imagination creates some of the anima for that thing. And I think clowns fall into that category, too, even though they're portrayed, obviously, by hopefully animated people. But yeah, I think that Gacy, that was like a, a real turning point and uh, and kind of became uh, an inspiration, if you will. It's terrible to use that word for someone like that, but an inspiration for a lot of uh, horror novelists and filmmakers moving forward. Yeah, I agree with the way you put it. And I, I will say, whenever we talk about this kind of stuff, it is important to note, hashtag not all clowns. Uh, easily confused with the hashtag no tall clowns, but, uh, but there are plenty there. I'm not above it, but there are plenty of people who are, you know, working as clowns. There are prestigious clown academies, right? In different parts of the world, there is an ancient tradition and there is an art to it. There is a craft. So we're not saying that all clowns are bad. We're just saying it's inescapable, uh, It's inescapable, at least in the minds of many U.S. residents, to not see a clown and think there is some sort of implied sinister aspect. We can blame it on Pennywise. We can blame it on Gacy. We can blame it on, you know, honestly, anything other than the cinematic masterpiece Killer Clowns from Outer Space. You guys remember that, I'm sure. An amazing theme song by the Dickies. So, yeah, that's like, that's like, that's like gold cinema. I'm sure it's in the Criterion Collection. <laughs> yes, it should be. Uh, Max, have you seen Killer Clowns from Outer Space? 
I, I'm pretty certain I have. It's been a long time if I have, though. Oh, that, <laughs> I know that, of it. I know of it. That theme song to hear to hear the uh, the the entrance of the gladiators, which is the famous tune that we always associate with clowns, but being played speed metal style on a guitar. Man, one of my favorite movie soundtracks of all time. Yeah, true classic of of goofy schlock horror. One, how dare you? Two. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, it's definitely it. It definitely is some schlock. It puts the shock in schlock. Um, and you're gonna have the most fun watching that film if you do not worry about the motivations uh, and don't bother addressing plot holes or indeed plot. So, yeah, we we can't deny that what happened here is that Ronald McDonald was in this case found guilty by association. His whimsy was also kind of outdated. More and more people saw him less like a fun goofball and more like that Pied Piper character, you know, who is getting kids, uh, getting into minds of children and leading them toward uh, quite possibly serious health problems. McDonald's leadership is aware of all these factors. That's why today, if you go into the modern McDonald's, if you stroll into one of well, most of the 36,889 or so locations across 119 countries, sorry, Russia, uh, you will have to look pretty closely to find a trace of what I think we could call a fast food Ozymandias. I would love to travel around McDonald's of the world and just take that take that line from Ozymandias, look upon my works, you <laughs> might in despair, and just like put it in a little placard. By, by the statue. I don't know. I have to admit, Ben, uh, a peek behind the curtain really quickly. We do have these notes that we share with one another and we contri- we all contributed to it. Ben did the vast majority of the contribution. And when I read this, this comparison to Ozymandias, I was so delighted to know you. <laughs> Oh man. Uh likewise, likewise. I use that uh reference way too often, by the way. It's it's gonna be a problem. So thank thank you for enabling my myopia. Uh so, so, uh, <laughs> thematic as it is. And um there's the thing though, I think we can all agree nostalgia is a heck of a drug. Max, Jonathan, that's something we've been talking about in part one. It's something we're talking about in part two. And it still remains the case today. People pretty much everywhere we will remember Ronald McDonald. Or not everywhere, but in many parts of the world, you can stroll into a place and you can say, hey, do you remember Ronald McDonald? And even if they don't know the name, you can show them the picture and they'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, the uh, yeah, McDonald's. They might even just call him McDonald's in some places. People still like have a hot market for Happy Meal toys. I used to love those. Uh, I didn't know that some of them would be worth money later. Uh, right. You can sure. Right. It's nuts. What were some of your favorite Happy Meal toys, guys? Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. 
So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You know, it's interesting because, like, I remember back when the toys were completely independent of any other type of branding. And then there was a shift where you started to see partnerships between McDonald's and other um, popular brands that were out there. And and you would get tie-ins, especially Disney. There was like a string of Disney tie-ins with Happy Meals for a while. But I almost said it. Oh my gosh. I almost said, in my day, (laughs) the the toys – the toys weren't like that. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I just remember getting these little toys that I thought were fun and diverting for maybe like a day or two. And then they find their way at the bottom of a toy box and never emerge again. And then, you know, flash forward 30 years, and you're like, I could have paid my college debt with that one toy if I had just not played with it and kept it in good condition. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of thinking about it. It's like, like, Ben, you posed a question. I'm like, I can't think of a single toy. And then Jonathan, you said that part about it being tied in. And I'm like, so yeah, I mean, like a lot of toys I remember, I remember like whatever movie or TV show or whatever I liked, if they had a McDonald's toy, oh, we had to go get it. We had to go get it. I remember being definitely way too old for Happy Meals and getting Happy Meals still because you need to get the toy. I think eventually they worked out some sort of system where you could buy the toy if you wanted to, but you didn't have to get a Happy Meals. But there would be like stories of people buying a Happy Meals, like full grown adults buying Happy Meals to get the toy and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I particularly remember um, sub. I, I don't know if they were tied to anything, but there was a series of uh, these little figures that were that would transform from uh, from you know like a cup of soda or a, a a basket of fries into robots, the robot characters. Yeah, and I thought I thought they were so cool, and you know, God, I'd be living a life of leisure now if I had just held on to them. 
you know? Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't remember if those were tied in with transformers or maybe go bots thing that a lot of people don't remember, but just to remind you, go bots came first. Yes. Transformers came after GoBots. There's just that the Transformers were, uh, let me check my notes here, one billion times better. <laughs> so uh, let's, uh, I also uh, just want to see if we can get a sense of scale here. I, wanna, I don't want to give us too many regrets, um, but you can find any number of lists. Uh, this is just a cursory DuckDuckGo search. You can find any number of lists of highly prized McDonald's Happy Meal toys. Uh, number one, apparently, is Ty's Teeny Beanie Boos. So, like Beanie Babies. Uh, you could sell them for $450. So, not quite, not quite a mortgage yet, but we still should have saved them. I got one right here. I have one from Kid Kids Meals, uh, Kids Meal Fandom. Uh, page and it has like a list of all the ones and the first Happy Meal toys they have listed is from 1979 for a Star Trek the motion picture oh oh that's man. random and weird it was great because those toys were just as boring as the movie was so bad really you guys agree on that Star Trek the motionless picture I, I was watching it in 4k <laughs> remaster one day it was so bad I mean there's it's so bad there's a segment that has to be at least five or, or six minutes long where they're just doing a slow orbit of the enterprise as the the movie theme is playing and that movie theme is the one that they would repurpose for Star Trek the next generation many years later right and and right. I mean, it's it's a pretty ship, and you understand that at the time that this was a, a real achievement in special effects, but it destroys any sense of pacing that you have when you're you're taking like literally five to six minutes out of your movie just to do hero shots of your your spaceship. It's so bad, and uh, it's even worse when you see afterwards the difference in budgets between that and the Wrath of Khan, like. The motionless picture's budget was so much bigger than Wrath of Khan. It was like twice as big as the Wrath of Khan's budget. Wow. You guys are schooling me here. Uh, also, as you can tell, Jonathan, uh, Max is, in addition to being our resident curling expert, our uh, resident expert on Star Trek. So we might have to have you back when we, when we finally do our Star Trek episode. Right now, what we can say is that People still very, you, you'll find very ardent fans of Ronald McDonald. Uh, he didn't entirely leave social media. He has an official Instagram. Uh, and maybe most importantly, Ronald McDonald House Charities. That that organization is still around. They're still doing good work. And who knows, really, it's a, um, a pop culture is a study of cyclical things, right? So a lot of things that shine one day will find their way into a spotlight again and with the sheer enormity of the shadow Ronald McDonald cast, we can't ever quite say he's gone for sure. So what we have witnessed could perhaps be described as the first age of the clown. So we have so much crazy stuff that we got to. We found a lot of really interesting tangents and trivia. We sprinkled some throughout the show. I wanted to ask Jonathan, are there some that we didn't get to that really stood out to you? The only one I would really mention is the the fact that you talked about how 
uh, you had these Ronald McDonald statues. Uh, some places had statues where it was like a seven foot tall clown standing there. And others, it was the bench one where there's a sitting clown with its arm extended where you could have sit down and maybe have your picture taken with Ronald giving the old yawn and reach <laughs> move on you on the bench next to you. Um, but what was really interesting is obviously those became targets for vandalism throughout the years, like teenagers and college students would often target these. And it became kind of almost like a contest to see if you could steal one from your local McDonald's. And I've got a few examples uh, in 1981, Ronald McDonald was found sleeping with the fishes uh, so this full-size statue of Ronald was pulled out of the Theta Pond at Oklahoma State University. Uh, 1986, it happened again, but this time it wasn't Oklahoma. It was in Florida at Lake Sumter Community College. And then you started, you, you'll see other reports of this too. Sometimes, a lot of times, they didn't find the statue. But there were some interesting ones. There was one where a statue was stolen in 91 and turned up in the middle of the desert outside of Phoenix, Arizona. And my favorite was there was an, uh, a, a military officer well, military, a member of the military, I shall say, I won't, won't say officer who stole a Ronald McDonald statue with the goal of setting it onto a raft off the Santa Monica pier. Now he stole it in Biloxi, Mississippi, which is not close <laughs> to Santa Monica, right? Wow. Drove yeah. it across the country to California but was unable to complete his plan. He was caught with the statue. The statue was returned to its location in in Mississippi via an Air Force flight. So Ronald McDonald had a military escort bring him (laughs) back to Mississippi from California. Think about how much you regret your actions during that drive because you, you steal that statue and you're like, yeah, this is great. And then you have that entire drive to think about like, uh, is, is this bit really that funny? And then you're like, you know, if I set him off the coast, like who else going to know about this? Is this going to go out on the ocean? And then by the time you're in like middle of nowhere, Texas on that drive, you're like, why am I this way? Am I, why do I do things like this? Why, why am I risking a court martial over a Ronald McDonald statue? Also, another good question to ask is, why do we taxpayers foot the bill for the Air Force to take a statue of Ronald McDonald back to Mississippi? That's my only thing I vote for is to make sure that happens. <laughs> I'm a single issue voter, and that's all that's all that I, I look at when I consider a candidate. And I'll ask him too. I'll write to the campaign and say, where are we at with McDonald statues? Um, yeah, no, this is all a true story. Uh, and that member of the military's name was Colin Powell. Uh, you can read about it <laughs> in his autobiography. <laughs> uh, that might not be true. Don't fact check that part of the show, folks. But we are going to call it the day. We're going to call it the week. We have found the um, the official explanation for the demise of Ronald McDonald. Now, Given, again, his his enormous influence on pop culture, it's fair to say he's kind of maybe Cthulhu-esque, right? Dead but dreaming and may rise again. But uh, for now, we hope you enjoyed the ride. Thanks to our super producer, Mr. Max Williams. Thanks again to Chris Frasiotis, Eves Jeffcoat, our research associates, Zach Williams, no relation, Jeff Bartlett, And of course, one of my absolute favorite people, Mr. Noel Brown, who will be returning soon. 
Uh, and with that, Jonathan, I'm sure you can hear our outro music. I want to thank you specifically, man. Uh, this has been an absolute blast. I can't wait for you to come back again on the show. Thanks so much, Ben. And if you guys are interested in hearing more of... More, sorry. If you guys are interested... <laughs> wait. No, I, I got this. I got this. If you guys are interested in hearing more... <laughs> No! It's time, oh, gentlemen. <laughs> These are suck to edit. Damn it. You did uh The Quister, aka Jonathan Strickland. I can't believe I can't believe you're back. Mm, I'm back. You 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 see that I have ripped off my tearaway clothing <laughs> to reveal my doublet and jester's hat underneath. <laughs> I, uh, you, you got us, man. Uh, I thought we were gonna, I, I was actually surprised. I thought we were just talking to your alter ego, Jonathan Strickland, but it seems your true colors are shining through. You have flummoxed us. Uh, well, you've yet to flummox us, hopefully, but, uh, but yeah, you, you got us. I thought we were gonna get away clean. Not this time, Mr. Bolin. No, for those of you who are unaware, blissfully, as to what the heck is going on right now, welcome to the most cringeworthy segment in all of podcasting, where I, the Quizster, quiz your beloved host and his plucky producer on some scenarios. I present three scenarios. Two are true. One is false. And the contestants have to decide... Which one's the false one? It's devilishly clever. So it's just a game show. I mean, that's your devilishly clever thing. It's just doing the most standard, basic game show ever. Is that what I'm hearing? McDonald's is just a fast food restaurant, Max. Touche. <laughs> sure, I, I, I'll give that to you. But yeah, I don't think we were ever up to debate that that was a uh, just a fast food restaurant. But you know what, buddy? I'll, I'll let you have this one. I'll let you have this one. Go ahead. Right, here we go. I shall... I, I shall present three scenarios. You shall have three minutes between the two of you to debate which of the scenarios is the false one. And, as always, I will allow you to ask me questions, but only if you first preface your question with a particular phrase of my choosing. And this time, the phrase shall be, Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, ba, 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 I'm loving it. <clears throat> Scenario... I'm loving it, okay. That's it, yes. Scenario number one. The regional fast food chain, Rack's Roast Beef, at one point boasted more than 500 locations across the United States. These days, that number has dwindled down to less than half a dozen. Reasons for the restaurant's decline are many, but perhaps one of the most pertinent to our discussion today was the introduction of a certain Mr. Delicious. This was an animated character in commercials, a sad sack divorcee, who was supposed to lure adult diners into the fast food establishment. Shortly after his introduction, the company filed for bankruptcy. Scenario 2. The first location of Doggy Diner opened in Oakland, California in 1948. The mascot for this hot dog and hamburger fast food joint was a dachshund wearing a bow tie and a chef's hat, which you can see outside some of their establishments, a three-dimensional one. And not only that, the dog's head would rotate exorcist style, letting you know the vittles inside were devilishly good. 
but the spread of larger franchises ultimately spelled doom for the poor doggy, and by 1986 the company was out of business. Scenario 3 In the late 1960s, a regional restaurant chain in the upper Midwest called Dock o' the Bay promised to bring quote-unquote fresh seafood to the landlocked states. The chain's mascot was a fish doctor. By that I mean it was a fish wearing a stethoscope and a head mirror, not a human who tended to sick fish. It was, of course, named Doc. Perhaps it was a bad idea to associate a seafood restaurant with a doctor like that. The experiment only lasted until 1977, when Long John Silvers lay broadsides against the little chain and sunk it. By that I mean Doc of the Bay went out to business. Begin. Okay, I'm running to our I'm running to our timer. Uh, we spent a lot of a lot of the show budget on this one, so we are gonna have three minutes. Let me get the clock rolling. Okay, I'm I'm running. I'm running and go. Ben, what you feeling? First impression. Which one are you saying? <sighs> which ones you say is real? Which ones you saying are false? I gotta say, maybe because it's most recent in my memory, the fish doctor one seems sus. What do you think? I don't know. Be, being a a born in the Midwest, it seems very Midwestern to do something like that. I think number one's totally real. That's what I'm coming off as. As soon as I heard it, I'm like, that sounds like someone I've heard of. Okay. Um, we need, you know what? We need a recap of number two. Uh, ba 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 ba. I'm loving it. Wow, we did two full podcasts and you still don't have their catchphrase. Right. So, number two was the doggy doggy diner hot dog and hamburger fast food joint. Their mascot was a dachshund wearing a chef's hat and a bow tie. They had essentially a bust of this character outside some of their restaurants that would rotate 360 degrees, spreading its endless gaze across all the lands, judging throughout all of time, uh, at least until 1986 when the restaurant went under. Yeah, I totally think that's real. You think so? I don't know. I think they're all real. They all sound like something terrible that that people <laughs> would, would do. Okay, how about this, Max? Uh, let's, let's you and I, um, let's leave it to chance. I'm going to say that I think I think I feel like I'm having a tough time deciding between number two and number three. Hold on a second. Let me ask. But 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 I'm loving it. Oh, well done, Max. What's your question? So we've already both trashed on Star Trek, the motionless picture. What is your favorite Star Trek movie? Oh, that would be Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan. And I think that that one is the most it's not like Star Trek, the series, which was much more thoughtful and more about working things out and exploration. But it, as an action film, Star Trek Two is phenomenal. Now, if I wanted to go beyond that, maybe I don't know, Star Trek uh, four of the voyage home is fun. But I mean, it's very cheesy. And Star Trek six has Shakespeare. Okay. In it, so that's also one. OK. Oh, okay, no, we're gonna, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, wait, we've got just a few seconds now. All right, don't let him distract you, Max. He's taking the time. That's what he's doing. <laughs> all right, so Ben, which one are you going with? Uh, it's three or two for me, man. Uh, which one are you feeling stronger on? I can go either way myself. Three fish doctor is weird. Let's go fish doctor. We're locking it in. Three, two, one. Well, <laughs> so, so you really thought there was a doggy diner. 
there was. You were right. It was number three. That was the one I made up. Congratulations. Oh. You have you have picked the correct one. Uh, my favorite of those is, in fact, the Rack's Roast Beef, because there are videos about that establishment online that you need to watch to really understand exactly how strange that marketing campaign was. It, it was it was like taking the spirit of Sunday the dog and putting it into a divorced cartoon character. <laughs> Whoa. Well, uh, you know, that really was up to chance for Max and myself. And I, I think one thing, at least that I learned with that, is that um, fast food campaigns can be so surreal and strange anyhow that uh, all three of those seemed believable to me. So believable. I guess I just, right, like, I, thank goodness for Fish Doctor. But uh, very well done, Jonathan. We just scraped by with that one. Thank you for uh, most of your work on these two <laughs> series or on these two episodes. <laughs> so uh, we we can't wait to have you back on the air. Ridiculous Historians, uh, we can't wait for you to tune in when Max, Noel, and I are diving into more strange stories, possibly with more returning guests. In the meantime, Quister, where can people find you under your daylight cover identity, Jonathan Strickland? Well, they can find him as the host of the Tech Stuff podcast. They can find me and that flash of lightning just before the light completely goes dark. Look out your window. I'm there. Wow, that's amazing. It feels anticlimactic to say that Max and I are on Twitter. Yeah, yeah you can find me on Twitter. I'm at ATL underscore Max Williams. So, um, yeah, I will be there. And... um yeah, I don't, I, I'm like a little too terrified to say anything else right now. So Ben, why don't you go away with stuff? Sure, sure. We've got, uh, <laughs> sure, you can find me at Ben Bullen HSW on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram where I am at Ben Bullen, B-O-W-L-I-N. Uh, be sure to tune in next week. Thanks to all our research associates. A big special thanks to our ride or die, Mr. Noel Brown. In his words, we'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.
tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.